Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. I want to talk in this message about how to grow together. And if you have grown apart, this will help you to grow together and stop maybe the drift in your relationship. If you haven't uh, grown apart, this will keep you together. It's the, the law of partnership. We need to share our lives And that's where the satisfaction of marriage comes from, is being able to have someone to share your life with. So there's three decisions that we make that cause us to grow together in marriage. And the first is, our decisions are made without regard to our emotions. If you're going to grow together in your marriage, you can't be an emotional decision maker. You have to grow in your ability to make mature decisions. People who are mature in decision making are not emotional decision makers. And the most painful life on earth is an emotionally navigated life. When you're constantly making emotional decisions. Well, why am I saying that? Because 86% of divorces are for non-severe circumstances. This is according to research. The vast majority of divorces are not because something really bad is going on. Now, in 14% of the cases of divorce, something bad is going on. And there are three reasons for divorce. Number one is adultery. In Matthew 19, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to divorce your wife for any cause at all? And Jesus said, no. If you divorce your wife except for adultery, you sin and you cause her to sin. And the word for adultery there is porneia. It means egregious sexual sin. And so if your spouse cheats on you, it doesn't mean you have to uh, divorce them. It might be grounds for divorce, but especially if you have a cheater. If you have someone who's a serial cheater, someone who is immoral and will not repent, it can be grounds for divorce, okay? The, another is abandonment, if someone abandons you. Obviously, 1 Corinthians 7, the apostle Paul says, if, if someone abandons you and won't live with you, you're free. In regard to the law, God has not called us to bondage, but to grace. And so if someone abandons you, you know, and leaves you, well, you know, you, it's, it's unfortunate, but it can be grounds for divorce and, and you can go on with your life. The other is abuse, and uh, I have, uh, in all of my years of counseling, seen the most incredible abuse. Men abusing women, women abusing men, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and it's terrible, and it can be a form, or or it can be a grounds for divorce also. Now, uh, we all suffer in marriage, okay? We're, We're married to imperfect people, and we all suffer in marriage, okay? And so, if your husband snores, you suffer. All the ladies said, that's right. If your wife's a backseat driver, you suffer. <laughs> and by the way, now ladies, you probably don't know this, but backseat driving actually causes men to snore. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> they, they didn't go for that, fellas. Sorry, I tried. It was worth a shot. Okay, so suffering is discomfort, abuse is damage. Living in an abusive relationship means I cannot be a whole person in your presence. I am diminishing as a human in your presence. Mentally, 
emotionally, physically. And I've seen all three. And I've seen all three men to women and women to men. If you're living in an abusive relationship, you get away from it. You don't let a person abuse you ever. You're too precious to God. And, uh, and I said this one time, and some people that had been abused kind of got upset with me a little bit, but I, here's the way I say it. The first time you're a victim, the second time you're a volunteer. Get away from it. Someone's hitting on you. Someone's being evil to you and abusing you. You get away from it, you get your children away from it. And I'm not saying necessarily that you have to divorce. What I'm saying is you get away from it and appeal to them and say, I love you, but you're going to have to get real help with accountability and prove to me that you're different before I come back into your presence. And if they'll change, maybe the relationship can be redeemed. If they will not change, you go on with your life. But I'm saying abuse, you cannot imagine what I've seen. Okay, murder, unbelievable abuse in in relationships. And so this is something you take seriously. It only constitutes 14% of divorces. Adultery, abandonment, and abuse, those are the minority of cases. 86% of divorces are for non-severe circumstances. You say, well, why'd they divorce? In the moment. In the moment of their issues, they just got in the moment, and it just seemed like the right thing to do emotionally. They made an emotional decision. So our daughter Julie and her husband, Corey, uh, had a life group when they were in their young, early 20s. And they had 30 couples in this life group, and they had a big party one night, and it was a dress-up party, kind of a fun dress-up party. And so all these couples, you know, dressed up, and so they set a camera at the door so that as the couples came in the door, all the couples that came in the door got their pictures taken. You know, they, they, the camera caught them. And so several years ago, uh, Julie and Corey took that uh, video out to watch it, you know, just to kind of reminisce on that video. And Julie called us and she said, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, and Karen said, why? And she said, because 27 of those 30 couples are divorced. It was a young marriage Bible study. And Julie began to name their names. Well, I knew a lot of them and I knew a lot of their families. And in any case, we could not think of any of those divorces that were for a serious circumstance or, you know, a, a, a abusive or abandonment or adultery or something like that. So I'm saying to you, in the, in the moment, in the moment, it can seem so real. And remember now, our testimony is, I told Karen to get out of the house. If it wouldn't have been for the grace of God at that moment, we would be divorced today. So I have all the sympathy and compassion in the world for people who are divorced, and this message is in no way to put you down. If this is your second or third marriage, I just want it to be your last. Okay? Just put your feet down where you are. Stop making emotional decisions and, and stay put. Okay, so here's the problem with emotions as it relates to being decision makers or helping us make decisions. They're fickle. Jesus said his word is the rock, and then there's the, if you build your life on the rock, it's a rock. But then there's the rock versus the sand. You never know how you're going to feel tomorrow. Our emotions, our emotions are fickle. And so making emotional decisions is just you're here one day, you're here the next day. The second reason you don't make emotional decisions is feelings may be very real, but very wrong. And there's the old saying, how can something that feels so right be so wrong? Well, go ask David and Bathsheba. I guarantee you it felt really, really right until two people died and a generational curse was put on his family. Now you can't imagine what I've seen. You can't imagine what I've seen, 40 years of the ministry. You cannot imagine the horrific pain and death that I have seen that began with a choice to feel good rather than doing the right thing. 
Emotional decisions can be horrific if they're not based on the Word. Number three, the devil has access to our emotions. Why don't we make emotional decisions? Because the devil gets into our emotions. Here's two scriptures, Ephesians 4. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And what it's saying here is it's okay to be angry. And I'm a, this is what I'm going to talk about next week is anger and conflict resolution. And so uh, be angry, nothing wrong with anger. Don't sin, don't justify bad behavior. Don't let the sun go down on it. Or you'll give a foothold to diabolos. It means slander. When you go to bed on anger, it is a legal door for the devil to open to slander your spouse. And you wake up the next morning and you've been counseled by the devil, you don't even know it. You think you're enlightened, but you're deceived. You, you're actually seeing your spouse through the lens of the devil's eyes. But you think you're enlightened. And you've got this long-term anger. There's nothing wrong with today's anger. Today's anger is fine. It's very manageable. Yesterday's anger is the problem. So the devil has access to our emotions. Okay. And I'm going to tell you my testimony next week of how this happened to Karen and me. Almost caused us a divorce. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind, a spirit of fear, pneuma, a spirit. Okay, let me say something to you. You need to understand this now. You don't have any fear. You're fearless. God, God wouldn't make us with fear. Fear is, fear is satanic. Jesus is the prince of peace. He doesn't use fear, okay? And so there, there's a good fear that we have that you're driving down the road and someone swerves into your lane and you, you immediately swerve out, you know, fight or flight. It, it's temporary, it's uh, helpful, it's, and it's, uh, it's positive, okay? That's, that's good fear, okay? We have that fear, but it comes and goes. Chronic fear is satanic fear. Chronic, debilitating fear is satanic fear. Listen to me. So in the dark days of your marriage, fear will come to tell you, anger and fear are the most destructive forces in marriage. In the dark days of your marriage, he will access your anger and he will access your fear. Fear is a prophet spirit from hell sent to frighten you and give you a negative report of the future so that you'll make a fear-based decision that God will not honor. Let me say that one more time. Fear is a prophet spirit. Fear wants to give you the devil's view of your future to frighten you and to cause you to make a fear-based decision that God will not honor because God does not honor fear. He honors faith. And so fear. So how do you overcome fear? It's not your fear. And if you say, I just have a fear of this, I just have a fear of this. No, you don't. You don't have any. Stop calling it your fear. See, the devil's perfect disguise is you. He, he hides behind us hoping that we won't uncover him. So the next time a spirit of fear is talking to you, you say, ho, 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 ho. That's not God, and that's not me, because I don't scare myself. No sane person sits around scaring themselves. You know, I see people going to horror movies, and I just say, why would you pay to scare yourself? You know, it happens accidentally often enough. You know, don't pay for it. <laughs> Next time the devil's trying to scare you, you say, spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, I expose you. Amen. And I will not let you come and disturb me and to disturb my faith and to get me to jump out of my marriage. I, re I reject your vision of my future. God says he's given me a future and a hope, and I'm standing on that. You can't make emotional decisions. The devil has access to our emotions, especially anger and fear. And so the other thing is this. God doesn't bless emotions. He blesses actions. 
you will never be held accountable by God for how you felt. Let, let's, just say, let's just say that you, someone's here and they're hurting and you walk over and they're really thirsty and you have a cup of cold water and you walk over and hand them this cup of cold water and say, there you go, friend. And it was the right thing to do. That's what you're going to be judged for. But imagine the entire way over there, you're thinking, idiot, why am I going to waste this glass of water on you? I'm going to dump it on your head, idiot. <laughs> but you decided not to and you handed it to him. Are you going to be judged for handing him the water or how you felt on the walk? Handing him the water. We worship our emotions. We worship our emotions. And we wonder why our lives are so painful. The greatest life in the world is one that's based on fact and the Word of God, not feelings. And what's happening right now. So how do you make your decisions? Well, you make your decisions in advance based on the Word of God, and then you live true to Him. And let me give you four decisions to make in advance in your marriage, and it will bless you if you do. Number one, we are married for life, and divorce is not an option. We are not going to ever use the divorce word. It's never going to come up in our marriage. It's, it's over. Every time you get in a fight, you can't talk about it. And so you, running every, the divorce rate for first marriages is 40%. The divorce rate for second marriages is over 50%. The divorce rate for third marriages is higher than that. Because when you get in the habit of running, you just keep running. So we live here in the Metroplex, and we have decent weather, okay, weather. Uh, but we do have severe weather season that happens, you know, April, May, and June, and tornadoes and hell and stuff like that. So let's just say you get into a tornado season and, you know, three or four weeks go by and the weather's just horrible. Tornadoes landing everywhere, tearing everything up, hail, damaging winds. It's just horrible. And you're just rattled about it. You know, you just can't believe how bad the weather is. And you're talking to a friend on the phone from Canada and they say, wow, you know, y'all are having some bad weather. You say, really, we are. And they say, we need to move up here. We don't have tornadoes. You say, y'all don't have tornadoes? They said, we never have tornadoes. And they text you some pictures, you know, of Canada, and you're thinking, that is beautiful. You know, I'm, I think I'm going to move to Canada. And so you get up there, you get up there in July, and it's just gorgeous. You're thinking, I am free from tornadoes and hail and all this stuff. This, this, I can't believe I haven't lived here before. And so you live there, and then winter hits, and it's uh, 20 degrees below for a month, and a grizzly bear eats your car. <laughs> and you're thinking, this is awful. I thought I, was, I thought I was getting out of trouble, getting in better weather. This weather's awful. What am I doing here? And then your friend from Southern California calls, and they say, wow, I'm really sorry to hear about your circumstance. You know, where we live here, we don't have tornadoes, and it's never cold. You're saying, seriously. And they send you pictures, the Pacific Ocean, the beach, the mountains. You're thinking, that's, that's, where, that's it. That's where I should be. I'm getting out of this place, and I'm going down to Southern California. So you go down there, and you move in. You love it. You move into your house, and you wake up one night, and your house is violently shaking. Dishes are coming out of you. Look, this is your first earthquake. <laughs> then you have several, and everybody's talking about the big one. It's just, you know, you're just scared. You're just thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm living on these earthquakes here. And then your friend from Hawaii calls, and <laughs> they say, I'm sorry to hear about your circumstance there. We don't have tornadoes, and we don't have cold weather. And we don't have earthquakes. Paradise, basically, is what they call this place. And they send you pictures, and you're going, you know, that's where I need to be living. <laughs> and you get to Hawaii, and it's just phenomenal. You just absolutely love it. And you wake up one day, and there's a hurricane warning. And you say to somebody, what is a hurricane? They say, well, if you tied 10,000 tornadoes together, <laughs> and it hits everybody for two or three days, and you're saying, why didn't I stay in the Metroplex and just build a tornado shelter? Yeah! Yeah! Why didn't you? 
Everybody has issues. You know, when you keep running from marriage to marriage, everybody has issues. Everybody looks better from a distance. Did you know that? There's the old saying that the grass looks greener on the other side. There's a country western song that says the grass may look greener, but the dog may be meaner. <laughs> yep, yep. So here's, a, here's an excerpt from a book, The Case for Marriage by Linda White. Now, this is an extremely well-researched book. Uh, University of Chicago, Linda White's from the University of Chicago. And I want you to listen to the unhappy marriage. This is all about unhappy marriages. You got to listen to this now. This is unbelievable. Of people who stay together, who are very unhappy, but stay together. This is very broadly researched. This I'm reading now. How many unhappy couples took their marriage, turned their marriages around? The truth is shocking. 86% of unhappily married people who stick it out find that five years later, their marriages are happier, according to an analysis of the National Survey of Families and Households done by Linda Waite for this book. Most say they become very happy indeed. In fact, nearly three-fifths of those who said their marriage was unhappy and who stayed married rated the same marriage as either very happy or quite happy five years later. The very worst marriages showed the most dramatic turnarounds. 77% of stably married people who rated their marriage as very unhappy said that the same marriage was either very happy or quite happy five years later. Listen to this statement. Permanent marital unhappiness is surprisingly rare among the couples who stick it out. The, the greatest turn, 86%. Of the people who said they were very unhappy. See, the devil loves photographic thinking. And photographic thinking is this. He comes in the worst moments of our marriage and takes a picture and says, look at the future. It'll never get better. Let me just tell you, there's a God in heaven. It will get better. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out marriagetoday.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, videos, articles, and live events.